Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Week 8 of the Big East Barroom, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use the code BEBR at checkout. You get some cash for the holiday season. You want $20 off? Save some of that cash for some beers. Come and join with the boys of the barroom. Rye, how are you this New Year's Eve, the last day of 2023? Yeah, wasn't a couple of years ago we had a bunch of Big East games on New Year's Eve, and like now they've just completely stopped? Um, they decided that these kids should be with their families. And I, you know, not interested. Lame. Kind of lame. Yeah. You should be giving up your families like we do. Uh, I'm doing good. This was a very quiet week in the Big East. So we are not going to go team by team on this episode. Uh, we're going to do a little time talking about this past week and kind of stayed the programs. And then we got some fun stuff in store for later in the episode. Yeah, more of a freewheeling episode. And I'm going to stop and I'm just going to say, we never asked for this, but if you guys could, before 2024 hits, a like, a rate, a review, and a subscribe, we're in a race with another channel. We want to be the first one, the Big East crown for the most subscribers. So take your mom's phone, take your dad's phone, take your brother's phone, take your sister's phone, hit a subscribe button. They won't notice it. It'll be fine. But we'd like to see those numbers getting up. Um, 2023 is very good to us. And we'd like uh, to continue to see those numbers go. All right, right. We had three games this week and three wins. I mean, that's as as perfect as a week as you can have in Big East hoops. Oh, well, Creighton well, fans are just really upset to hear this opening. I know that the Big East won every game that they played this week. Yeah, that would and be you know going forward. And you know, next week they'll win every game that they play that week too. Um. We did take care of the two non-conference games we played this week. St. John's took care of Hofstra in a nail-biter. And DePaul took care of Chicago State. Did they cover? Um, they were favored by seven. What was the final? Um, I think, I'm not sure if they covered, but we did end up winning that game as well. And then, of course, Marquette and Creighton played the most anticipated game of the week, which was uh, some very ugly basketball. For they most. covered. They covered. They won by 12. DePaul always covers. Chicago's not even a state. It was a very ugly game for about the first 30 minutes. We watched it together. Um, not not beautiful basketball. A lot of missed shots, open shots on both sides of the floor. Um, a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors, a lot of turnovers, that kind of stuff. Um, but it ended up being good down the stretch, so that's all you can ask for. Good shot making down the stretch. Um, Marquette started 0 of 9, I believe, from 3. Um Creighton came out and kind of punched him in the mouth. Baylor Shireman was unbelievable in the first half. I believe he had like four of his first five threes. He was really good. Um, then that, you know, it was an ugly game. A lot of turnovers, a lot of up and down, a lot of wide open shots being missed. And then all of a sudden I felt like in the, you know, about the 10 minute mark of the second half, like you said, like you said, I'm saying, like you said, 
then it really turned around. What do you want don't me to say? say don't say my things like as if you just came up with that. I just said I didn't come up with it. I'm saying like you said, we watched the game together. Did you think I was going to be like, oh, no, I think at the 12 minute mark, it started turning around. Some thoughts on Creighton to start your loser. Um, I normally don't refer to them as the, a loser. Um, They have a real problem at point guard right now. They don't know what they're going to do Um, at that position. Um, They don't have someone who's commanding the offense. Cockbrenner uh, has as good as he is still for the Big East. Um, he's had a disappointing year for himself. Um, I think he's. It's fair to say he might have taken a step at least, you know, laterally rather than maybe not even backwards, but laterally. Um, where you'd really like to see him impact the game a little more offensively. Um, but yeah, I think I mean there's a lot of pieces there. So I think starting with the point guard play, and I think that also really plays into Ryan Cockbrenner. They miss Ryan Emperor. They just absolutely miss Ryan Nemhard misses them. Gonzaga's bad. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, Ryan Nemhard was a savant in the pick and roll. And with Ryan Cockbrenner as one of the best lob threats in the country, that was, you know, a go-to offensive set that they had in their pocket at any moment. We just not have not seen that at a high level this year. What I'd like to do on the pick and roll there is I'd like to have Trey run the pick and roll because Trey's ability to pop from mid-range, you can't – you'd have to stay glued to him or else he's just going to absolutely annihilate you on that mid-range shot. Um, if he can pull up and gets a little bit of room, then, you know, you start to bring that other defender and maybe he can start to throw that lob to cock a little bit more. That seems like a solution to me. Yeah. I, I can't tell you why they're not doing that. I'm sure Greg McDermott has a reason to, to not be going to even Barry Shireman was good, very good at running the pick and roll at South Dakota state. Um, but Ryan Clark, Ryan Nemhard was really good at getting Clark Brenner the ball in tough windows, and I'm not sure that Trey or, or Shireman are doing it at that high of a level. That could be a reason. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I do think uh, if we're going to talk positives over Creighton, the Baylor Shireman continues to step up in these big games. Um, he kind of, I we, when we were watching the game, kind of seems like uh, he wants to shut up the crowd type of guy, um, which is, you know, fun to watch when he plays. Um Outside of Baylor Shireman hitting a couple of tough tough threes and Mason Miller hitting, you know, a few threes, the offense was really stagnant for Creighton. Trey hit a couple of tough mid-range shots in this game also. But there. he's always going to do Yeah, that's a guarantee, though. Yeah, you can book that. Uh, yeah, Baylor Shireman, you tweeted this, but he's taking that next step where he is now a superstar of the league. I still have him, Big East, all first team, constantly flirting with player of the year. If they won that game yesterday, he might have, you know, took the front runner for that. Um He's been fantastic, and but and Mason Miller has been really good. Mason Miller rebounded the ball last night like uh, like his life was dependent on it, and that was really cool to see. Obviously, we know what he's doing shooting wise. So his other three, Greg McDermott was holding Mike Miller hostage and had a number for Mason to get to, and Mason Miller looked like he needed him. (laughs) Mason Miller looked like he was playing ball. Want to see your dad again? (laughs) You want to see your dad again? Six rebounds, Mace. But I do think those other three pieces have uh, not stepped up to the level that they need them to. And to the winning team, um, Marquette gets a win in a game that, you know, I think if you asked them what they played, I think they'd probably say they played a B-minus game. Um, Defensively, I thought they were pretty good. They didn't have that lapse at the beginning of the game, I felt, like where they didn't come out focused. Shireman hit a bunch of tough threes, um, which is why they got such a big lead. But I didn't feel like it was like in the Wisconsin game where they came out and were just flat. and they just kind of, you know, I think the beginning of the conversation for Marquette has to go with Sean Jones. Yeah, I'm going to touch on the defense since you kind of already yes. I 
think they are unique in their ability to just dial up their defense to different levels, uh, depending on what the game situation requires. And we've seen it so many times. We saw it against uh, Purdue. We saw it against UCLA. Uh, we saw it against Kansas, where like in the second half, they just dial it up. They did it about 10 minutes in this game, which is nice to see them doing it a little earlier. Um, but like just the level of intensity and uh, Shaka Smart said after the game in the post in the press conference, he says, when your shots aren't falling, you have to have a level of desperation on defense. I thought desperation was like the perfect word to describe the way they get after these guys defensively. Slapping floors every single possession for a certain amount of time. Shaka Smart maybe a little too into the defensive stances at some times. Um, now, do you want to give Sean Jones his praises? Yeah, Sean Jones is great, and uh, he was a difference, right? In, in a game where Marquette was stagnant offensively, this guy plays like his literal hair is on fire. I know we hear that a lot, but he does not know which way he is going at any time. He's pulling up for three. He That sequence where he misses a three, gets back on defense, gets a steal, misses a dunk and whatever, and then hits a three or whatever. And it was like that 30 seconds was the most electric 30 seconds of the game where every time he touched the ball, you were like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't look away from the TV at this moment. And for a Marquette team that is always playing within themselves, it's almost nice to see one player who is always playing like almost outside of himself. He is just absolutely playing with such an intensity, you know, that I think Marquette does kind of need that, um, you know, that one player, they're all very professional and very, um, they're very just, you know, staying together. But when Sean Jones came in that game, it gave him a, uh, an air of electricity that I don't know if I had seen from Marquette this season. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. I think Stevie Mitchell plays with that passion uh, where he's making, you know, plays all over the court and he's finding ways to impact everybody. But yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's the way, right? Sean Jones is impacting the game. He's finding a way to impact the game, sometimes negatively, very often positively. Last night, he impacted the game enough to probably be the difference between a loss and a win for Marquette. Uh, I was also excited. David Joplin had a few huge threes in that game that um where he's really been struggling. So to see, you know, Marquette, by the second half, they were kind of back into form a little bit. Um, Kolek hasn't taken over a game. Like did you seen. did you know that was David Joplin's first dunk on Marquette? Did you see who he dapped up after he dunked it? Um, Crowder, Jay, Jay Crowder, Marquette legend, Jay Crowder, and then I believe they gave up a layup on the next possession. Yeah, so Shaka talked about that in a press conference. Also, he's talking about you know we're so passionate and you know we are so excited, but like we also have a, have to have a level of poise. Like you know we're so excited for him, but he needs needs to get back on defense. But of course, Jay Crowder is at the Marquette game. Because it's a cult, right? Marquette's a cult. We've already talked about this. Because Marquette gets 10 of their best players ever at every home game. I will say, and this is a point I've made for Providence, when Pfizer is rocking, that defense is at a different level. Just like when Providence, the AMP is rocking, Providence's defense is at a different level. I worry, and we saw this last year for both these teams, when it got to a neutral court in, for Marquette for the tournament and for Providence for the Big East tournament, which wasn't really neutral, but Providence for the tournament as well, it didn't translate the same way because I think that they didn't have that passion coming from the fans. I don't want to say it's a fear, but look at the way that Marquette played um, against Wisconsin in a hostile crowd. Um, yeah, but look at how they played in Maui. Absolutely. In a, in a neutral court, right? Absolutely. And they, they found ways. Do I think it helps? Absolutely. 
I think yeah. it makes it easier to turn up that intensity. But they found ways to to find that intensity. But I never felt like they got punched in the face when Pfizer was rocking like it was. Like they don't like they do when against other teams. And we've talked about how I'm worried that Marquette's gonna get punched in the face and stagger too much and they're not gonna be able to get up. Where in these games where Pfizer is absolutely on fire, the Notre Dame game comes to mind where they're up twenty one nothing at one point or whatever. In this game, where yes, they went down ten, but it never felt like it was lack of effort, just lack of shot making. I, you know, I, I, I think it is a fair point to say, hey, when the crowd isn't is into it, are they going to still be able to generate that same passion without having to get punched in the face and almost knocked out in the yeah. first round? I understand your point. They never throw out um, stinkers at home. No. Um, where they've, you know, had a couple halves that were stinkers away from home. Ty, we just got a few minutes left in this first segment. You want to touch on DePaul or St. John's? Um, I, you know what, St. John's played. Olay defense in the second half. Um, I only caught really the second half, just letting guard after guard go right down the middle. Um, open threes to the best three point shooter, I believe, in the country this year, and Mr. Thomas. Um, it was it was bad um defensively, but man, I think Dennis Jenkins earned well, this was kind of his coming out party, almost had a triple double in this game. Um, Joel Soriano continues to be such a mismatch. I know that his stat line doesn't reflect that, but even the way he was fighting for rebounds and tapping balls out, um, he was getting he, fouled like crazy. Yes. Like they were just, hanging all over him, and he didn't get any calls. And I'm usually not the guy to blame the ref, but I was surprised at uh, how physical they let let them guard Soriano. Um, the defense, no zone defense. I continue to think Rick Pitino is refusing to show that outside of conference games. So that he, uh, you know, has a little curveball for conference opponents. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, but I do think they kind of handle business. And Hofstra, I know, is a lower major, but they are a top 100 uh, offense. Offense. Um, fun fact, which I don't know if you knew. Did you know that the camp I used to work at, the um, owner of the camp, is the leading scorer in Hofstra history? Who is that? Steve Nysonson. So if anyone's interested... I've shaken hands with the leading scorer in Hofstra history. So obviously I'm a big Hofstra. What's their mascot? Uh, I don't know. I think they're well, in I've the CAA. I don't know. I've always been a diehard. Um, do you want to talk about the Battle of Chicago, Rye? DePaul gets a non-con win. They're now 3-8 and eight in their non-con. That's huge. We're very excited for them. The, uh, I mean, like their I, I didn't expect their offense to be this bad. Last year, their offense was not the problem. They couldn't guard anybody to save their lives. Now this year, their defense looks a little better. Their offense is awful. Well, right. Bad game to say this about because they shot 57% from the floor and 48% from three. Um, that's not what my eyes told me. That's not what my eyes told me. My yeah, eyes I, watched, told me. I watched the whole game, all right? You can't. Yeah, you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> um, Listen, they have the pieces. They have some pieces on that team. I continue to be impressed by KT Ramey off the bench. Um, I like Jeremiah Odin's game, even though this wasn't his best. Um, Elijah Fisher is a really highly re um, respected prospect. Hey, good for DePaul to get any wins that they can. Always big to beat an in-state rival. Chicago's not a state. I think that's the stupidest name in the world. Just a couple seconds here. Over under one and a half wins for DePaul in the Big East Conference play. I feel like you change this every time you ask me the question. Um, I will, I will say under, I'll say they get one. You got one. Who are they beating? Don't put that evil on me. Who are they beating? Want... You got 10 seconds here. Um, they are going to beat Seton Hall at DePaul. 
Wow, not the hall. Shaheen will have a fit. All right, that wraps up the first segment. Stick around, and we are going to do a little draft of our Big East players, a little fantasy draft for you guys. We want to give a little shout-out to our favorite sponsor and the sponsor of the episode, Diamore Designs. Diamore Designs is a family-run company that creates apparel, custom apparel, for all of your needs, um, they kind of got their start making apparel for rec sports teams and, you know, softball teams, intramural teams. Um, but now they really do it for anything that you could need. So if you want any custom apparel, go to DMOR Designs. Tyler, you got the website? Yeah, dmordesigns.square.site. Um, uh, if you just Google DMOR Designs, it's going to come up. Um, help them out. They're really helping us out, getting us to do a few cool things. Help them out. Look cool while doing it. All right. To kick off 2024, Ryan and I are going to be drafting eight Big East players per team. You are going to have the opportunity to vote on whether Ryan and I had a better draft. Check that out on Twitter when it comes out. Ryan, you are. You said you wanted second pick? No, I said we're going to flip a coin. Tie, call it in the air. This isn't fair. I can't see you're on Zoom. Call it. Heads. It was tails. Sorry. I, I don't Tough I don't luck. believe this. Tough Wait, hold on. Flip, I gotta flip my own coin. Ryan, what do you call? Heads. So with, tails. With my first pick of the 2024 Big East draft, I'm taking Tyler Kolek. I gotta take Tyler Kolek. He the amount that he opens up offensively for you. He's also one of the top shooters in the league this year, which nobody's talking about. Uh, best pick and roll operator. Yeah, you got to hide him defensively, but, you know, I'll draft some good defenders around him. I, so much versatility. I, I want him first. Right. I It's a good pick, but the problem is what you're not understanding is that in a draft, it's not about always just taking the best player. It's about taking the player where they have maybe not the best colleagues around that can we get want... less lecturing and more so picking? where what i will be doing is at the four because i believe the four is the weakest spot in the biggies i will be taking mr bryce hopkins and i will be putting him at the four because i believe he is a all biggies talent even though he hasn't had that year but i also believe the four is the weakest spot in the biggies so to be clear i took a guy who's potentially an all-american at this point you took a guy who's not on an all big east team at this point but you're gonna say you won that first pick i will say i won that round and i'll say i won it pretty handily i don't even know if you picked the best point guard in the big east this year bad take bad take um take your second pick and make sure it's a good one because i got a doozy for my second it's got a doozy boys i got a doozy i think for my second pick i'm gonna go devin carter Devin Carter's playing in an all-Big East level right now. He's a defensive stud. I can play him against the best guard where I have to hide Tyler Kolick. Uh, He's been shooting the lights out. He's going to bring that dog mentality that I want on my team. A good pick. It was the wrong one, but it was a good one. I'm not going to lie. It was good. Um, I am going to be taking, with my second pick, and again, from a position of not the strongest, in my opinion, I'm going to take the person that you said quote unquote, might be the player of the year this year. And that is Mr. Baylor Shireman of the Creighton Blue Jays. And my Bryce Hopkins Baylor Shireman is going to be absolutely elite levels of confidence. Yeah, I like the Shireman pick. I was looking at him, but I needed a defensive stud. So I wasn't wasting any time. I'm going straight to Devin Carter. Huh? Um, 
So for my third pick, I think I'm going with a big man. And I think that big man is going to be it's going to be Ryan Cockburner. Wow, not nah, Wait a second. You gave me shit for my Hopkins pick, but Cockburner's literally in the same boat. He has not had his best year. He's probably not on a Big East team, and you're taking him over two guys who are like almost all Americans. Five words. Cockbrenner, Cockbrenner, Kolek, pick and roll. Cockbrenner, Kolek, pick. Are you using the end there or pick and roll? And. Oh, okay. All right. Well, better than what I I thought. That's the most elite action you're going to see against between our two teams. Sure, but Ryan, whatever center I pick, Ryan Cockbrenner's been having a hard time in the post, and I'm going to take one of the centers who's been has ridiculous post moves. There's played right into my hand. Well, yeah, there is a great pick for you here. Yeah, and I'm just going to do it because I'm afraid you'll pick the other I, I'm taking it back. I want Oso. No, no, no. Yeah, you yeah, I'm taking back. Oso. Yeah. Can, can I throw a challenge flag? I take, No, you misheard. I, I was taking Oso from the start there because although I love Ryan Carpenter, uh, with his kryptonite in the conference, it's just a losing. Well, that just changed my whole draft because I was obviously going to pick his kryptonite next. But now I can't pick his kryptonite because you decided to change it the last second. I'm going to go Oso. He gives you great defensive versatility. Plus, we already know him and Tyler Kolek in the pick and roll is uh, dynamite. You can't just use the same freaking argument for T- Kolek and Cockbrenner. And then you could have put then, no, no. oh, well, Kolek and Klingon. You know, the pick and roll would have been perfect for Did that. you miss the part about the defensive versatility with Oso? That was important. <laughs> that was new. Copy-paste argument. Put it in that spot. The difference is I, Oso can switch on to Eric Dixon and Ryan Cockburner can't. That it, Well, I guess you don't switch on to him. But he can go I'm not going to take switch. Eric Dixon right now because I was going to take him to whatever. I'm going to take who I believe is actually the Big East player of the year right now, and that is Mr. Triple Double himself, Tristan, national champion, Newton, because I believe I can play him off ball or on ball, and that versatility will really help me. Um, when I get take my next pick because I can either take a true point or I can take a um, an off guard. It's a rock solid pick. It is a great pick. We have two fantastic point guards in this conference. Can't go wrong with either. But one. we have many fantastic point guards in this conference. We have two all Americans. Yeah, yeah, two highest level point yeah. guards. Um, right here at my four, I'm gonna go Jamil Telford. Ooh, I like Jamil. I think he matches up really nice with Bryce Hopkins. He can space the floor. He is physically imposing. Uh, if he's able to get his defensive level up there where, you know, he keeps improving. I think he could be the best four in the conference right now. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, I have the best four in the conference. Um, So that's close, but you're definitely around it. Right. Am I too? This is a draft for me, remember. And I'm looking to keep spirits high. Baylor Shireman is a very happy person, but he wants to play the villain a little bit. Bryce Hopkins and Tristan Newton are kind of quiet. I need somebody who, when the fans look at him, go, that's a kid I should root for. And it's a million-dollar smile, and that is Mr. Quincy Oliveri, who is having an unbelievable year on a down year for Xavier. Um, So I would gladly take Quince there. And I think my likability goes up a little bit. Kids are wearing his shirt. They have assigned pictures in the crowd. It's a lot of fun. He's playing um, Fortnite with Xavier fans. You saw that? He's amazing. He's a flamethrower. He's going to give you 20 points. Uh, I'd like to pick. 
Right. You have you have four players drafted. I'm guessing yeah. you're going starting five first, obviously, and then you're gonna go your three bench pieces. Yeah, so I need my three. Um I think there's only one pick here, right? Uh no, two. I got Tyler Kolick, I got Devin Carter, I got Jamil Telfort, I got Oso Igadaro. And now, maybe Ryan Cockbrenner. Huh? And maybe Ryan Cockburner. <laughs> there's several good options here, but I think what I'm lacking the most right now is a dead-eye shooter, a knockdown shooter. You just got Oliveri and Shireman on the same team. I'm going to take Cam Spencer from Oregon Huskies. Was not one of my um, two that I was thinking were the obvious ones. Not the best defender in the world, but he'll compete. He's going to uh, – he's not going to get caught being lazy. And so um, – I my only argument would be he might not be the best cam on this list. Oh, so. I think, could I play Cam Jones at the three? No, you can't just keep doing it. I'm not. We're not doing this. <laughs> if I take Cam Jones, I have the three best Marquette players in my starting five. Okay, so my pick anyway is I'm going to take the best center in the league, and I'm going to take Joel Soriano, who is absolutely going to give the lovely and wonderful Oso Iguodaro fits because he's just so freaking massive and such a problem down low. You know what I love Joe, about Joel Soriano is he will also allow Tyler Kolek to get some nice layups, get going a little bit. Joel Soriano's post um, or interior defense does lack something, so I'll remember that for the next pick when I pick up my backup center. I do love Joel. Um, I think his defense is going to continue to improve. And in terms of on the boards, yeah, I'm now in trouble because Oso is not necessarily the best rebounder, and Joel Soriano is the best rebounder in the conference. And I have Baylor Shireman and Bryce Hopkins, who are very good rebounders as well. Baylor Shireman, so maybe the best – well, no, Soriano and Shireman are probably the two best positional rebounders in the Big East. So we're going to be crashing the boards one through five, apparently. Yes, Devin Carter is going to be averaging about eight for you, I think. Right, where are you going for your first bench piece? Um, the bench pieces do not have to be a actual bench player, but people you think might complement your team. I'm going to go Ticket Gaines here. I love Ticket. Is what it perhaps do? because we had him on our podcast? No, you can hey, check my Twitter. You can see I was giving Ticket a lot of love before he ever agreed to come on the podcast. Uh, he could guard one through five, really one through four, but he'll guard the five in a pinch. He's a high-level defender. And when he's streaky shooting – He's as good of a shooter when he's hot as anybody in the conference. Um, I like being able to plug him in wherever is needed. If if a matchup's getting exposed, you put him in on that spot and uh, try to slow guys down. Yeah, I mean, also one of the nicest guys we've ever interviewed, although we haven't had a bad interview yet. Um, so let's uh, keep that. You don't want to talk about that one, that one bad one? That one bad one where the guy with the face, yep, two ears. Um, anyway... I believe the person that I'm going to take next thrives in a backup role, perhaps won a national championship in a backup role. And if you are going to take, and if I'm going to take the best offensive center in the draft, I believe this year I'm taking the best defensive center in the draft. And that's Mr. Donovan Klingen, who is going to be joining my team. Um, and I believe he's suited for that 15 minute a game role. Um, when Soriano either gets in foul trouble or I need a little bit of a defensive lift. I think Klingon's a solid pick. He's a giant. He's by far the tallest guy that we've taken. Um, you almost need to match up your first Cockbrenner now with him. I don't think so, though. Okay. I, think, I think here I'm going to go Eric Dixon. 
Eric Dixon's a solid rebounder. He's uh, one. He's probably the best post player in the conference, right? He has the best post moves. Yeah, he's incredible, Donald. He can stretch the floor. He's all around solid. He's a decent defender for uh, a five, especially on the perimeter. I like him as my backup five. No hate from Eric Dixon. Ryan, I'm between two guys, which I've been saying a lot in my life. Um, and it's, do I go with the, do I go with the, what's, what do you call when you get into college because of the people, the legacy here, or do I go with the player who is impacting the game the most right now? And I'm going to bet on this guy. He's had a weird year. He's had a few weird few years, but when he's right, Justin Moore is still a big East player of the year competitor. I'm going to tell him he's sitting on the bench. Justin Moore is going to have a fire lit and he's going to come out ready to go. Um, give me Justin Moore as my second bench player. And he's a leader on the floor when he's out there. Yeah. In terms of when he's right, there's not two better guards in the conference than him. Absolutely. He hasn't been right in a couple of years now, uh, but when they were in the final four, I, I'd take him over just about anybody we've taken in this draft. So yeah, it's a, what is that? What do you call it? A high risk, high reward. Or yeah. Low risk at this point, low risk, high reward. Right, I'm looking at the boards here. We have so many good players that are not going to get drafted, so I'm interested to see where you go, and then I'm sure we'll have some um, snubs that we got to talk about. Yeah, my last pick here, and we are running that time, so we're going to go quick, is Kadari Richmond, because you have some really good guards, and I'm going to torture them by putting Kadari Richmond on them. Yes, I mean, hey. Also, I need, I need rebounding, and Kadari's the best rebounder. Well, actually, Tristan Newton's the best rebounder for the point guard position. Kadari's probably a second place, though. Um, I guess with my last, oh God, it feels so weird not to draft one of these guys. I'm going to take tricky, um, and hope that he just microwaves off the bench. Um, I was between Trey and Justin Moore the first time. I think they're very similar players. Um, but I'll take Trey Alexander in that spot. Ride. Do you want to draft a coach quickly who you are going to have leading your eight men? Um, Don't I want a guy. Who's gonna compete? I got a lot of defense. I need him to hit the boards hard. I'll take Dan Hurley. I I feel like I should have got first pick there. I think. Well, you just asked me if I wanted it. Fine. I then think I'll. Hurley's a nice pick for the squad I assembled. You know, you need a high level of effort from these guys, and Hurley demands high levels of effort. Rennie. With my coaching pick, I am going to take um, a Hall of Famer, um, somebody who has won two national championships, um, who has never given anyone the ick. And I'm going to take Rick Patino. Slick Rick is leading my team. He's been complaining that he doesn't have a lot of talent. He cannot complain when I put out eight of the most talented players in the court. Um, his press conferences will be electric. And Rick Patino versus Danny Hurley. I mean, you might as well have a sideline cam and have an alternate broadcast because that is gold. Mic them up. For yeah, I don't team. think you could complain when we take the two coaches that have the national championships in the conference. So, But, yeah, and what I didn't tell you is I'm also going to be drafting an assistant, but you don't have to. I'm going to put Shaka Smart as an assistant just in case. Nope, that's, that's, you get, nope, that's fair. You get it's six fair. defenders? It's fair, yeah. he's he's. But I have Baylor Shireman on my team, so Baylor Shireman um, will not have to avoid him. All right, we are out of time, Ty. You want to run through your team really quick? Yes, I took Bryce Hopkins, Baylor Shireman, Tristan Newton, Quincy Oliveri, 
Joel Soriano, and on the bench, I had Donovan Klingon, Justin Moore, and Trey Alexander with Rick Pitino slash Shaka Smart being my head coach. And that team will be losing to my team of Tyler Kolick, Devin Carter, Cam Spencer, Jamil Telfort, Oso Iguodaro, Ticket Gaines, Eric Dixon, and Mr. Kadari Richmond, led by your reigning national champion, Dan Hurley. I'm going to win. That wraps up our draft, and uh, we're going to mailbag next. All right, Rye, we had put out an impromptu mailbag, mainly because I had forgotten, and we got about nine good questions in the hour it's been up. So let's talk Biggie's mailbag. And this one comes from a fan called Fryered Up. I don't know if you've heard of him. Our first guest ever on the podcast. Yes, he was. Over under 13 Big East wins for Providence. I saw this question. So I'm giving them eight and a half wins at home, right? So they play what? They play nine more games? Nine more games. I think that they go. I think that the over under on home wins in the Big East for Providence should be eight and a half. You think they beat Marquette, Creighton, and UConn? You think they beat at least two of those three? Well, that's why I have it at eight and a half. I know, but you're saying that you think they could beat all three of them. I don't. No, because I, it's not nine and a half. You, are you saying for games left or for games right now? Total. Or just in general? Oh, total. Okay, so you're you're giving them one loss, and you're saying that the other second one is questionable. Right. Gotcha. Um, so then if you're saying 13, do you think they could get five wins away from home out of nine games? Yeah, I think they can. So I would take the over on 13. I think 13 and a half is about right. Already beat Marquette. You're going to sweep DePaul. You're going to sweep Georgetown. That's four. Sweep Seton Hall. That's six. Beat St. John's at least one, seven. I mean, then you beat Marquette. You beat. You have to beat Creighton once. Yeah. I mean, I think they should get to 13 and seven. Um, 13, seven, 12 and eight, 14 and six. Um, I think one of them will come up. I'm so not 100%. It sounds like you didn't answer the question because you just said every possible answer. I would go. I would. I would push on 13. How about that? I'm betting green. I'm betting double zeros on roulette right now. I got 13 and a half. I'm taking the over on 13. He didn't put 13 and a half. He put over under 13. You oh, can't just my math fired upwards. My math is 13 and a half. Would you listen when I talk? I'm sorry. I don't see this as Ryan Cassidy submitted a mailbag. I see fired up submitted a mailbag. And my is answer to him is the over on 13. All right. So you're taking 14. I'm taking a push on 13. All right. Anyway, Kyle. Well, who's awesome, who wins a Big East wrestling contest, arm wrestling contest, and why is it Jamil Telfort? Um, yeah, I mean, I really think Jamil Telfort might be one of the strongest players, but Joel Soriano is an absolute beast, um, and to give him an opportunity to do that, um, Tyler, Burtland's, Tyler Burton's also a grown-ass man um, who could compete in that. So, And Dylan Adaiwusu is a linebacker. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Jamil Telfer can't win. I'm just saying it's not going to be an easy walkthrough. I think those are uh, a few great names. Um, how about Fred King? Fred King. I'm not sure anybody could beat Fred King in an arm wrestling match. Um, I don't know if I have any others off the top of my head. You know who would have been really good at it last year was uh, the, the fellow from DePaul, the big man? Yorinay. Oh, Yorinay only had four fingers on one hand. So yeah, I think that would have been an advantage. Yeah, well, now your hands are slipping, you know. You're used to uh, Supreme Cook, another player I'd throw in there. Strong Supreme Cook, strong Supreme Court Cook. Deshaun Nelson. Ryan won't even put Deshaun Nelson in there. 
Uh, how right. about Eric Dixon? I mean, God, the Shaq fit guys over at Villanova should be able to hang with anybody. Joel Soriano would be my pick if we just um, were doing a bracket. Jamil Telfer, I would put on the other side of the bracket so they meet in the championship. Fair enough. Uh, Chris Boyd, who is going to step up being a dog for Creighton? Um, it was Kaluma and Ryan last year. I'll push back a little on Chris. Um, I don't, Arthur Kaluma had a bad year last year. Um, I don't think he was very good at all. Um, he had a great game against um, Marquette or Providence. And other than that, I did not, I was not impressed by Arthur Kaluma last year. Um, Let me get on my soapbox. God, get the frick Let me get on my soapbox about Alexander. Arthur Kaluma is maligned incorrectly because he was often an offensive negative. He was the best rebounder on that team. He, as a four, he was probably the best defensive four in the conference. He was a, a physical guy. And that's exactly what Creighton is missing this year, right? They're missing a level of physicality. They're missing a level of rebounding. Mason Miller did a really nice job against Marquette. But he's a sophomore, and he's just not built the same way Arthur Kaluma was. I think, I think Chris Boyd is exactly right. Arthur Kaluma is exactly what they're missing from this team. And if he would have stopped dribbling in circles, uh, everybody would be able to see it. Arthur Kaluma last year shot 31% from three. Arthur Kaluma last year only had six rebounds, which would not make him the highest rebounder on the team because Baylor Shireman still averaged more than six rebounds a game last year. Arthur Kaluma took a step backwards and averaged two turnovers per game, which is impressive from the power forward position. The turnovers uh, is valid. And that is exactly what I'm referencing. Arthur Kaluma shot 42% last year after shooting 45% in his freshman year. Arthur Kaluma was bad last year. Bad take. Bad take. The stats don't tell you everything. You got to watch the game's time. Try turning on the television and watch the game. Trey Alexander absolutely has the opportunity to step up and be that guy. I feel like he's getting accustomed to having the ball in his hands more. Um, But outside of that, it's Baylor Sharman and Trey Alexander. I think when he's asking dog, I think he's asking who's going to be that, you know, physical, you know, emotional leader, the Stevie Mitchell of the team, the glue guy. Yeah. They're going to go Trey Alexander? Yeah, I'm going to go Trey Alexander. I don't think the glue guy can be that good. You think Trey Alexander's a glue guy? You're not You're not listening, huh? No, I'm trying to read the rest of these mailbag questions. Okay, let's move on. All right. Chris Dadinga asked who would win a Big East three-point contest and who would win a dunk contest. Um, do you have anything one that jumps off the page? Often the best dunkers um, from what we've heard from the players are some of the players who are on the bench. I'm yeah, not going to see as much. What's the kid's name at Marquette from the Bayer? Is it Zaire? That's a really good dunker or no, he, that's a freshman. It, uh, it, it's a jeer. Yeah. I mean, people that I unfortunately don't get to see as much chase Ross is an incredible dunker. If we're going to pick, um, somebody of that ilk, Deshaun Dawson. Uh, Samson Johnson is an incredible dunker. Um, we're going to pick someone of that ilk. Um, but I do think a three, ilk? ilk. I think a three-point contest is a very interesting rise. So do you want to – is there anybody who jumps off the page to you? Cam Spencer, Quincy Oliveri, Mason Miller right now. Baylor Shireman. Um, I, I really feel like, and I know he hasn't shown it as much this year, but Jordan Dingle – with all the um, hype that he kind of had, he must have been a really good three-point shooter at Penn because he was averaging the most points in the country. Um, so I just feel like he w- should be a better three-point. What is that face? What is the face for? Jordan Dingle. Fine. Jordan Dingle is my pick. I'm not going to pick the guy who's shooting the best percentage. If you want to read the stats, go read the stats. I'm picking Jordan Dingle. And then I'm going to pick Eric Dixon comes in second. How about that? <laughs> Ryan probably is going to be like, well, you know, I know Arthur Kaluma missed a bunch of them, but his stroke, it, you don't look at the shot. 
you know, you don't look at the result. You just watch what he did defensively. Just watch what he did defensively and rebounding. Yes, he defended himself at a high level. Nobody could turn over Arthur Kaluma like Arthur Kaluma. I I gave you offensively. He struggled last year. He brought a level of toughness and grit to the Creighton team. It's exactly what they need. There are a lot of highly skilled players that are not the most physical. Arthur Kaluma was a physical player. Jake Jurgen asked, how many points will Butler beat UConn by next week? That's going to be a really good game, especially assuming Klingon doesn't go, um, because Butler's biggest mismatch is their size um, with Jalen Thomas having to guard Klingon. But assuming he doesn't go, that's going to be a really good game at Hinkle. Um, Butler might be favored in that game. It's going to be like really close um, because I do think their wings are just so athletic. And without UConn being at full strength, um, Definitely a game Butler can win, and they're going to be, you know, definitely a game Butler wants to win for their resume. Yeah, play. This is tough for Maddox to get this game with the students not there, because yeah. this is one you want Hinkle to be rocking for. Um, they need Hinkle to be rocking. If Hinkle's rocking and UConn is going into Hinkle, where it, you know it's getting crazy, and this is a solid Butler team and first chance at the NCAA tournament in a few years. That's as contentious of an environment as they played in. Well, no, they played at Fog. Uh, field house but you know outside of kansas yeah well outside of maybe the best arena in college basketball um mr 1000 asked if the season ended today does donovan Klingon and or stefan castle declare for the draft which we've talked about that right do you want to take that one Klingon, no castle it's so hard with these guys because he's been told he's a lottery pick since he was like 16 so he might not care about this year at all uh you know look at Who's the kid from Duke a couple years ago who sat out half the season and just decided to go to the pro? I mean, even look at player like Kyrie Irving who plays nine games and then goes to the NBA. The NBA drafts off potential. Um, I will say, though, I think Ryan's right with Klingon. Um, Klingon, Klingon can come back next year and easily have a better year where Stefan Castle is only going to need a year older and he's clearly been a lottery pick all along and nothing I've seen indicates that he shouldn't be a lottery pick. I mean, I'm not saying he's had an amazing year, but uh, yeah, I think Castle's going to go no matter what. And Klingon, Klingon right now will stay. It'll depend how he comes back after the injury. Yeah, I think the Klingon um, lottery projection was much more of a prediction of improvement versus Castle where it's just, you know, he's been accepted as this level of a player for so long um, off of the, you know, the, the Nike circuit. And, you know, they've been watching these kids since they were 14. They've already made their mind up about them. This one year at UConn is not going to change anything. And for the Big East and UConn, it's still very beneficial to have, you know, even if Castle's a one and done, it's still very beneficial. You want the Big East to be able to be in on those top recruits all the time. Um, just like they were in, who's the kid who just committed to Duke, the number one recruit in the country? What's his freaking name? Harper? Cooper Flag. Cooper Flag. Oh, um, right. You want them to be in to the last second on it. So uh, good for the Big East if he goes, good for the Big East if he stays. Chuck asked, although Creighton hasn't played well lately and they're about to drop out of the 25 rankings, I don't um, think whatsoever that there's 25 teams in the country better than them. Not a question. Good comment, though. I agree. Creighton's got some stuff to figure out. Ryan does not agree. Ryan is like on Arthur Kaluma's doorstep and in his DM saying, come back to Creighton. Listen, some, some of y'all don't watch your games and just look at the – not you, Ty. I know you watch your games. But some <laughs> people who are criticizing Kaluma don't watch your games. They just All right, Kaluma's yeah. not the point of this. Go ahead. All right. Um, 
No, if Creighton doesn't play defense at a high level, it can't find a, a consistent scoring threat outside of Baylor Shireman chucking from the logo, they're not a top 25 team because too much of it relies on being hot from three. Um, last year, they had abilities to go inside, specifically Ryan Nemhard and Ryan Cockburner in the pick and roll that they just haven't done at a high level this year. If they don't figure out how to, you know, find some kind of action that works inside the, the three-point arc, and they don't figure out a way to defend at a high level, they're not a top 25 team. Right. The next question is Kolek versus Cam Spencer, who wins in a shit-talking contest. I was going to ask you what other players in the Big East do you think are good at talking shit? Um, because there are quite a few. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah, Joel Soriano. 100% Joel Soriano loves talking shit, and – uh I mean, he backs it up. He'll slam one down right on your face and then uh, and, and let you know about it. Baylor Shireman talks some shit. Ryan Cockburner, when he gets a good block, will talk some shit. Donovan Klingon talks some shit on the bench. Um, one name that, you know, is on people's backburners, Mr. Zachary Fremantle. Oh, Zach Fremantle loves talking shit. To yeah, fans. He can talk shit with the best of them. Um... Yeah, those are my. Those are the ones that are up there. Tyler Kolick is really good at it, too. Cam Spencer. Um, Cam Spencer also played in the Big Ten before this in really big games in really hostile environments. So not that Kolick – I mean, obviously Kolick has Big East is just as good as any conference, but I think we're just getting used to Cam Spencer's shit-talking, but I think he's been kind of about that life. He's been playing at Michigan State in, in Michigan. Um, tough places to play. Right, last two questions. Greg Ward asked – what is your take on Creighton fans being upset about Shaka being active on the sidelines? They're right, of course. He yeah. can't do that. And I understand if you're a Marquette fan, you love it because you love the energy, you love the passion, and it didn't get called. But if you're a Creighton fan, you have to be – Baylor, you got to run straight into him. Like yeah. you, because it's affecting the game. He's closing out for the – you know, he's preventing the baseline drive there. Um I don't blame Marquette fans for being, you know, really, you know, it's our guy and look at the passion he's showing, but he can't do that. And if you're a Creighton player, you have to take advantage of it. I mean, 100%. That's, you took all the words I was going to say. Yes, you're a fan. That is your guy. Look at it objectively. If Greg McDermott was doing that, you'd be pissed. It's okay. I don't think Shaka Smart should tone anything down. Just take a step back. And he didn't even, you know, he didn't get in trouble. But if I, I was bearish, go ahead. I'd take it a step further. If nobody ever touches him and he doesn't get a technical, I'd keep doing it. Get in the middle of the zone. You know? <laughs> but if I was Baylor Sharman, I would have just actually made it easier. I would have just turned and passed the ball to him. They're talking about running through him. I mean, listen, that's just – you're going to start a fist fight if you run through someone's coach, even if you're, you have the right to do it. Again, you have the right to do that. <laughs> I'm not sitting here creating fans. You don't have to be mad and saying, oh, don't. But if you just throw him a pass there and it hits him in the chest, he's getting the technical, you're getting – you know, your two shots, he's not doing it anymore. And you proved your point. Um, so that's, that's how I would have handled it. That's what I would tell my kids to handle, but you also don't want them paying attention to the coach's antics on the sideline. Right. Last question. Um, and it's about Rick Patino's quotes. Um, who's had some doozies. I believe he said this after this game against Hofstra, I had a more talented team at Iona, um, or I had a better team at Iona. Um, and then he said, after doubling down last, you know, a few months ago, he doubled down about playing every game at Madison Square Garden. He said, the only games we will be playing at Carnesecca next year are UConn and everything else is negotiable. Um, I, I just wanted to take a second to talk about some Rick Pitino quotes because we get into the games a lot and not the personalities that make this conference amazing. 
Um, Please, I don't like Tyler. Okay, if you're listening to this, I don't like Tyler. He gives me the ick. However, however, I have to give him credit that Rick Pitino has had some pretty strange quotes over the course of this year. Listen, if he coaches his team to the Sweet 16, who gives a crap what he says? But if he doesn't and he's he fails on the court, you're gonna start looking at these quotes and being like. I don't know, man. It's kind of weird. My frustration with a lot. I mean, listen, I don't like Patino. Everybody knows that. But my frustration with a lot of these quotes is he indicates that he's stuck with this or it's the player's fault or, you know, whatever. And last year we saw some of these quotes with Shaheen Holloway, where Shaheen was kind of saying, these aren't my guys. Right. But the problem is these are Rick Patino's guys. You brought in every single player except Joel Soriano. And if you're complaining about Joel Soriano, we have a different problem. You put yourself in a position to be a victim, and now you are playing the victim card. It is one of the weirdest situations from a Hall of Fame coach. I would expect him to be like, I have to be better. I have to coach through this. I have to do a lot better. And to bring up, this is maybe just stupid anyway, to bring up UConn, after a game against Hofstra, when St. John's fans have been defending Rick Pitino and Madison Square Garden is going to be different this year. Madison Square Garden is going to be different this year. And to basically say, no, UConn still is going to own Madison Square Garden. It's just this weird message of like him saying, like, even if it's realistic, it's just a weird message to send um, at a weird time from a guy who's been really weird this year. Um, I don't know if I was maybe everything's different behind closed doors. We never know. Maybe he goes, I'm going to just say some crazy shit. So you guys are not, um, you're not under fire and I am, but everything he's done, it indicates to me that Rick Pitino does not love this team, but he put it together, which would really concern me if I'm an NIL donor to St. John's. Tyler, do you have strong feelings on Rick Pitino? Ryan, I can't say I love Rick Pitino, but he will be coaching my team to victory. Um, can't complain about the talent level of Tyler's uh, fantasy draft team. All right, that wraps up. Week 8 of the Big East Barroom. Thank you all for listening. As always, as Tyler mentioned, we always appreciate when you like, share, comment. Let us know what you liked from the podcast. Let us know what you didn't like. Let us know why Tyler should talk less about Rick Pitino. And uh, Ryan, I'm just answering mailbags. As always, thanks for pulling up a stool.